This is another week of Friends Friday, Pastors Nick and Jeremy, and we brought in our six foot two, 220 pound beautiful specimen of a friend, Pastor Jacob Hayward. Jacob, how you doing? Doing real great, Nick. Oh, yes. How are you? Yes, yes, yes. We're clapping. A little, a little round of applause. Jacob and I took a lot of our pastoral classes in Malone together, so we've been friends for a while. Jeremy, do you have any classes with Jacob? I didn't have any classes with him, but we did live in the same building for a year, my freshman year. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Jacob? Yeah, I have, some, uh, I have some pretty damaging stories of Jeremy, so just bring me on anytime and we can do a little Q&A. <laughs> oh my God. It doesn't matter because Jeremy doesn't tell anyone that he's on this. So, like, no one who knows Jeremy's even going to listen. <laughs> okay. Hey, some of my students listen to it. I have to, I keep saying that. Okay. Maybe I haven't necessarily shared it church wide, but our youth knows of it. Okay. So, that's a start, right, Nick? You got to give me something for that. I'm not going to give you props for doing the absolute bare minimum. <laughs> Jacob, why did we bring you on? Why did you bring me on? Yeah, why do we bring you on? Because you know that I am an absolute scholar when it comes to <laughs> prayer and worship. So. Ooh, prayer and worship. <laughs> Look at him foreshadowing. You have, you've been, what, three years down there now? Yeah, I've been three years down in Urbana, Ohio, which is basically the middle of nowhere uh, for a lot of people. But for the people here, it's a really big deal. And, uh, you know, we love it. It's a, it's a big farm town. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's always sunny here. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, Jacob and I, we had plenty of our night classes. It was once a week from 6.30 to 9 p.m. And uh, he could probably attest to you that I did not pay very much attention in those classes. But here we are. Now, do you, do you actually uh, do you show up to preach in your pajamas or was that just a college thing? <laughs> so I was, I, was texting, I was texting John this week, right? And he asked me that. I said, no. Um, but I'd be lying to you if I uh, did not wear, I, I'm actually, I'm in joggers right now, khaki joggers, but I do wear sweatpants and slippers at work. Right. But today. You basically have like khaki pajamas on. Like Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I got to say too, because I had, I, I overlapped with one, one year with Nick and he was not the greatest of influences on me because I remember seeing him all the time show up to dinner in his pajamas, getting ready for class. And I was like, huh, maybe that, maybe I'll have to try that. And that's exactly what I did. I, uh, I followed in those footsteps and some others that we won't mention. I'll but, share. Uh, Senior year, I <laughs> had three more credit hours to graduate. Why? I don't know. So I took nutrition. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, second semester, senior year, 9 a.m. Why am I showing up to that class? He didn't take attendance. So I just showed up for the test. Like literally he would be like, I know it's test day because I see Nick and Rusty here. And, <laughs> and then we were at graduation. He was there and he looked at Rusty and I, and he goes, Oh, well, at least you guys showed up for this. The <laughs> <laughs> so young Jeremy was in that class. He sat next to me and he, uh, he learned some pretty, pretty bad habits yeah. from, uh, from school there. Yeah, no, not, not good at all. Not good at all. It was a gen ed. What am I going to do with nutrition? I don't care. You're right. You're right. Just I definitely feel like uh, I should be on here more often. I'm the. I you guys are all kind of dressed up today. I, I'm gonna. I literally don't even have pants on right now. I'm just in my undies. So, but like <laughs> in college, I was like the wearing a polo. You know what I mean? So no, he polo would dress tie all the time. He would, yeah. he would have his Bible at every class. He'd be calling out the teachers and everything, letting them know where they were wrong. And he was teaching them. It was. But now I have a kid, so. <laughs> yeah, you, you and your wife down in Urbana, Urbana friends, three years. So we stay in touch because we're, we're all friends, pastors now. We go to our yearly meeting and all our other seminars and get through those together too. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and we uh, we also get together on Fridays, which is that's true. Oh yeah, when we talk about our Friday group, Jacob's part of that as well. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what's up? You want to start us off here? Yeah, let's start off. So, we'll be talking about prayer today, as one of the things we'll be talking about. And for me, prayer, as many Christians alike, is very essential to our faith and and understanding who God is and and really talking about spiritual disciplines. This is this is an important one. This is a very important one. And and I just really quickly want to kind of explain this form of prayer that I've learned over the last several years. And it actually started when we were when I was a sophomore in college. I was actually interning with Nick and his dad at Morning Star Friends, and we went to a pastor's conference, and this guy by the name of Daniel Henderson came, and he was our guest speaker, and he really emphasized this this kind of new idea of prayer that really kind of rocked my world and helped me understand the importance of prayer and just the ways to do it. And kind of put it in in perspective for me. So I just want to quickly go through kind of what we'll be talking about when it comes to prayer. And there's four big words that we'll be talking about when talking about prayer. And they these this is all coming straight out of the Lord's Prayer. So this, what we are talking about, you know, in anyways, I'll explain that later. But so the four R's, okay, reverence, response. Requests and readiness. So for the first one, if we just look at the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer starts off with this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we think of this verse, a word that can be used to describe this verse when thinking about how to pray as Jesus teaches us to pray is reverence. This is an an upward movement. When we pray. So what we're focused on is praising God for who he is, acknowledging his power, his majesty, and really putting the focus, putting our eyes, fixing them on him and on his throne. So for Nick and Jacob, I guess when we think of this and and as we, we hear the first words of this prayer, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What, what does this mean to, to you guys when, when thinking of, of this in, in this word reverence, understanding that our initial reaction when it comes to prayer should be to praising God? How, I mean, how does that make you guys feel? What, what, do, you, what do you do with that? I'll go, I'll go first. And for me, what I wanted to start off by reiterating what you would kind of talk about is the importance of prayer. And it's something that everyone knows is a part of the Christian life. Even if you aren't really a Christian, you still know prayer is an important part of it. But I feel like even in my own life, this is the one that's the hardest to do. And it's the hardest to to maintain and really get into um, really get into just the habit of it all. And so I think that's what kind of the importance of today is getting us into some, some strong habits to help us start off, develop, and grow in it. But praise to start off prayer for me really kind of sets the tone of understanding who you're dealing with and working with. And in a sermon, I compared it to our own life. Like imagine if Jacob and I were going to have a conversation and I start the conversation by Jacob I think you are one of the greatest people I've ever met. I think you are a great leader. You're a great pastor, very attractive and funny. And when you're complimenting him, like he's going to be way more attentive to what I have to say now. And I see no lie. <laughs> <laughs> and and like it just kind of opens that up of, okay, like I've put it on the table. I show him that I have high respect for him. And he's probably on cloud nine listening of like, my man, what's he got to say? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Who do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I, 
when I think of reverence, um, I think uh, my my reverence and prayer draws back to a scene that you see in Exodus 19. So uh, for everybody listening, I know maybe I'm your least favorite person now because I'm giving you homework to do, but uh, I'd encourage you to read Exodus 19. Um, but in that in that story, uh, you see the Israelites escaping out of Egypt. And um, God has led them by fire and hid them in, in clouds and all this. And they've crossed the Red Sea and they've made bitter water sweet and bread is falling from heaven. And they get to this place where um, God's going to appear to them. Right. And in this description in chapter 19 of, of being prepared, getting ready for God's uh, appearance on the mountain, he says that they have to go through this cleansing period. They have to basically set up a, a do not cross uh, tape, you know, around this mountain in which God is going to appear. And if anyone would come up to the mountain or touch even the edge of it, that they would die. Right. And oftentimes when I think about prayer and reverence and how this uh, Lord's prayer starts with our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the scene in which we ought to draw our inspiration from, in which this is not something uh, just to walk into without uh, much preparation of your heart and of your mind. This isn't something that you can just, um, you know, say, okay, I, I need to check off my prayer for today, but instead recognize who you're going to prayer with. And, mm -hmm. and oftentimes, you know, I know we got four R's to get through, but maybe this is where you stop, right? Maybe this is all the further that you can go because you're not recognizing just how deep and how blessed this experience is to experience the reverence of God, the, the descending cloud of God on a mountain in which there's thunder and trumpets and there's an earthquake, you know, this is the presence of God that we get to experience. And this is the depth in which prayer takes us, right? And so um, maybe that's where you stop oftentimes in prayer is just saying, you know, my father in heaven, hallowed is your name. How holy is your name? Um, and you're just overwhelmed. Told you we brought his Bible class and taught the teachers. <laughs> but Jeremy, before I, we make you, oh, you got something? Well, I got something because I think just, as, as Jacob was bringing it up, I just, I think it's so important to emphasize this of, of that prayer starts with an open Bible. Understanding who God is, is understanding that he's revealed himself to us in scripture. And so it's even, yes, looking at that Exodus 19, when you read that and af, out of that, just like Jacob said, you said it so great, you know, that that should draw our inspiration for, for, for us understanding who God is. And really just saying a simple phrase of like, God, I praise you because of this. Or I praise you be, because of or for, for what you've done or because you are, you know, whatever these characteristics that that draw our inspiration from what we read about him in scripture. It is so important to start prayer with an open Bible, because that's how God reveals himself to us. And that's how we understand who he is. Yep. And, and right before that too, right before he gets to the Lord's prayer, Jesus is saying, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. But really what this was talking about at that time was the pagans used the structured prayer. Um, where it was very repetitive. It was a lot of words repeating and it just kind of became a habit. And so Jesus here is saying, you don't want to pray out of just like a habit of just doing it to do it and thinking that's enough. And so what I think Jacob emphasized really well was that when you start praising God, it really kind of slows it down. Like it slows you down even and gets you into a place of prayer where it's truly you and God and not you just doing it to do it. Yeah. it's good stuff, guys. So if we move on to our second R, which is response. It comes from uh, the second verse in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So we have reverence of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, praising God, which leads us then to a response. Because of who God is, I will surrender. So it's, it's shifting from an upward movement to a downward movement. And as we shift that, our will, we learn as we surrender ourselves to God, that our will yields to the will of God. So it's learning, it's discovering how to surrender ourselves over to the Lord. So when we think of this, and really just this, this act of surrender, which we might even talk about uh, later as we, as we get to worship a little bit. But as we think of this idea of surrender, and, and in the form of prayer, really laying down our will to submit our, our will to God's will. For you guys, what, is that, what does that look like in your own life when you are kind of coming to a place of prayer? How does it look like for you to kind of surrender yourselves to the will of God in prayer? For me, when you're looking at surrendering your will to God, when just looking at the your kingdom come, your will be done. We look at Jesus's main preachings here, talking about the Bible, letting the scripture sort of lead our prayer. We see just the end goal over world. And so kind of coming to a place of submission of, you know what, through this prayer, I want to make sure we get your desires. God, we want to get what your plan is. And we want to make sure we're on the same page going forward, but that it's God's page going forward that we put all of what we desire and what we want in our own life behind us and understanding now what we want to do going forward is align with God and what he has for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's real good. And when I'm, I'm thinking about this and, and, making it applicable to how we are responding in our everyday life. That's a big, a big point that we ought to bring out in prayer in general, right? Is that every, every R that Jeremy is going to bring up for us is something that we experience in real life, right? Reverence um, is something that, you know, something I, I often talked about, especially when my wife was going through pregnancy and right after the kid was born and obviously now too, but he's had a couple of too many poopy diapers to feel so reverent about the whole situation. But when you're having a kid, it's like the most reverent of experiences because every single time that you see the kid kick or whatever, it just feels like God's presence is, is absolutely there blessing uh, the whole experience or when you're out, um, you know, walking and, and you're a nature guy or, or lady, and you're just experiencing uh, new buds this spring and, and experiencing the sweet smells of nature uh, coming alive after a cold winter. It's, it's this reverence of seeing God around you. And then, the, you know, seeing the applicability of responding um, with your kingdom come. I mean, words only mean so much, right? To say, your kingdom come only means so much. And um, it's a reminder of Isaiah 58, right? Where it's speaking of fasting, but often prayer and fasting are connected with one another. And they're like, God, you haven't seen us because we're, we're not eating and we've humbled ourselves and, and you're not listening to our prayers. You're not listening to us as we fast. And he says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Uh, to break the binds of wickedness and to loose those who are oppressed and to feed the poor and provide homes for the homeless. And uh, this is what the kingdom is really about, right? It's the kingdom is not whether or not you wake up at six or seven to pray for an hour. The kingdom is whether or not those prayers are aligning what you do with the rest of your day with what the kingdom is actually about, right? Because that's what this prayer is doing. It's, it's responding to what God has said in his word through Jesus and through the spirit which lives in us. Responding to that and aligning our kingdom, what we do with our lives, with what God wants us to do with our lives. And most important part is Jesus' closing description there of on earth as it is in heaven. 
so that as we're doing these things, it's we're trying to figure out where we best fit into this plan of the authority that Jesus has in heaven become on earth where everyone knows it, every tongue proclaims it. And so we're trying to then in this part of the prayer, figure out where we fit that. What gifts, talents, and abilities has God given us to help further this kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? So earth begins to look like what it's going to look like in heaven. Yeah, and that I think really, really brings us to our third R, which is requests. Because when we understand who God is, and we, we kind of begin this prayer in reverence, which leads us then to respond about who God is. So turning it to a downward focus, being on this earth, and as an individual, but also as a church to advance his his kingdom and pursue in relationship with him. Then it leads us to an inward focus, which is requests. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So when we submit ourselves to God, surrender to his will, it leads us to this next R, which is to simply ask the question, what should I pray about? And when we ask ourselves this question at this step in this prayer time, see, sometimes we can, we can ask ourselves this question and it can, be, it can be of selfish desire or selfish gain without realizing it or not. Sometimes because in our own nature, in our human nature, we desire things. And sometimes those things can be selfish. But when we surrender ourselves to God, when we bow in reverence and to who he is, he, he brings us to a point where when we are asking of things and when we are asking what we should pray about, the spirit will actually reveal things to us so that it is so much to the point where it is actually, in a way, the spirit of God that lives within us, helping us to ask of these things to bring them forward to God. So I don't know if, if I, you know, if that was a complicated way of explaining that, but simply, I guess I just want to ask you guys, I mean, what should we pray about when we are at this point of our prayer and we say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I mean, that's a pretty packed statement there because it's asking about, you know, requests, but also the requests in the sense of forgiving others and stuff. But so what is, for that question, simply, what should we pray about? Jacob, what do you got for us? Pray about everything, man. Uh, pray about everything and anything that comes to mind. You know, Paul speaks about us, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that we are constantly at the altar of the church just simply praying, unless that's your spiritual gift. And then uh, maybe you can send them down to Urbana. I'd love to meet that person. But, uh, you know, this idea of praying without ceasing is a lifestyle uh, in that you're able to experience what prayer is truly about, uh, whether you're on your knees or whether you're working or whatever it be. And so um, every part of your day ought to be connected to prayer. And this request thing is no different that. Um, it, I, I truly believe that God is not bothered if you're asking, you know, even the, the craziest of prayers, right? Like, um, I don't think he's really bothered if you ask for, for good finances, even though I don't know that he always is going to answer that prayer. So don't, don't say that, uh, you know, Pastor Jacob told you to pray for money and it's going to fall from heaven, right? But I think that it's, it's okay to pray about that because it's something that's close to your heart. And he wants you to uh, express yourself and, and to uh, hear your heart. Um, in Luke 11, it's the other version of the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, and it's a much longer version uh, in which Jesus explains what you ought to ask for. And he basically says, ask for everything and anything. Uh, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. 
What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion, right? Our God is a God that gives good gifts, and he loves his children. And uh, sometimes he answers prayers in ways that we don't expect, but he surely is looking out for you and is bringing your life into his redemptive plan. And so present all your requests to him. Uh, Give him your heart. Give him your desires. Yeah, and when we get to this point of request, I think the first two steps are are very important to have before this because we want to make our prayers focused on our relationship with God. We want to make it about God and glorifying God, not glorifying ourselves in these conversations. So making sure our requests aren't the only thing we pray about, not having a me, me, me approach when we are encountering God, right? But but as Jacob's saying too, is once you start um, to revere him, um, and and move all the way up through respect or uh, respect requests. I don't know why I put respect requests of this is a God of miracles, right? Um, you see it in, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah talking about how there's nothing that the Lord can't do when they're when they're talking about that, their requests for it and, and that that's just what God does and he shows up. And so being able to request anything for yourself for other people, what you need, healing, things like that. But also most importantly too, not having that expectation of every single thing you pray for um, because it may not be a part of what God has for you, right? Like you can pray to win the lottery, but that's probably not what God has for you, right? But remember yeah. that his answer, to, his answer to your prayer is a part of what you just prayed about. And it's that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as a result of what you are praying is going to be what furthers his kingdom. So you may see it as a loss, but really it's like one step back for three steps forward and advancing the kingdom. Because it'll be a part of your story that you tell people about. I think, I think that's a, a wonderful way to put it. And I think when you begin your prayers with reverence and response to his reverence, response to his kingdom gospel, your request becomes, I give the example of, of finances or Nick gives the example of the lottery because we know that those aren't something that God is, is always going to honor because it's something that comes from often uh, the desire to build up our own kingdoms. But the more we pray about his reverence and response to reverencing him, the more our prayers and our requests become to see more of his majesty, to see more of his beauty, for more of his grace to be poured out, uh, and to see more of his kingdom be built in our own neighborhoods and communities. It becomes less me-centered and more on what God is actually doing around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. And, and I think as we do understand requests to be kind of this, this more inward focused thing, I think it's important that when we understand that it is more of a, a spirit led understanding, trying to discover the spirit that, that lives within us and understanding that that is where these requests are coming from these desires that we have from the Lord uh, or, or for the Lord to, to bless us in certain ways or, or to, to help us in certain ways. That's what it comes from. And I say that because the next step, after, but for, first of all, really, I mean, really good stuff, guys. That was just this great ways to, to explain those things. And, and because all of this then leads to the fourth and final R, which is readiness. So this is when it becomes, it, it as requests are inward focused, this readiness leads to a movement of outward focus. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. And so this is, I don't know, I, one of my favorite parts of this whole thing, because it really emphasizes for me, at least, that this is a war. This life is a battle. 
And the battle is won on our knees. And when we come to the Lord in prayer, and when we come to this step in this prayer, we are accepting this fight that is won on our knees. And so it is so vital as we come to the Lord to understand that our fourth and final step is an outward focus to be ready to go out, to be used by God, to sacrificially serve our community, to love those that are around us and do all the things that God calls us to do. But it starts on our knees and understanding this idea of this outward expression of readiness. So guys, what, what does this mean to you guys when we think of this, this last part of the Lord's prayer and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evilness. When we think of that and being ready to move forward, what, what do we got? I, I think for me, it's got a couple parts. This is a future focus. Now we're looking ahead. Um, so we've gotten our provisions for the day. We've given our requests and, and we're ready to move forward. We've acknowledged our previous sins and we're ready to move forward. Um, so in lead us, I think it's showing that we're ready to walk with him. We're ready to run with him. Kind of as we were talking about your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're ready to run with him, acknowledging that we're ready for him to lead us. But then also, too, when we acknowledge the temptation, I think it's showing the understanding of where our weaknesses and flaws are as humans and where we need God to strengthen and lift us up to help further his kingdom. Yeah, I'm. I'm reminded um, of several times in the Old Testament where you have these great warriors, right? These great people going to battle. And instead of more time, you know, sharpening their swords or, uh, you know, training for battle one more time, they are instead praying and expecting God to lead them into battle. You often see Joshua doing this. And in chapter five, right before they go, to fight against Jericho, you see this whole process in which uh, Joshua takes the people and circumcises them and has this whole uh, prayer and worship service. Uh, you see in 1 Samuel, when the Philistine army, army is coming against them, uh, they're in a moment of prayer and fasting. And instead of picking up their weapons, they just deepen themselves in prayer uh, and, and expect the Lord to go before them. And so, um, I think that for each of us, we, we are fighting a battle. We are fighting a, a spiritual war. And um, the best weapon that we have is prayer and, and deepening ourselves in prayer and um, being ready for God to use us so that we might respond in, in the ways uh, that he'd have us to do um, in this world that is desperately seeking him uh, and needing him. Yeah, man, real good stuff, guys. I appreciate you sharing those things. And uh, yeah, I feel like we could have gone for like three hours on prayer. Yeah. And so <laughs> so real quick, as we wrap up prayer, I think it uh, it's really important for me, just like I said at the beginning, that prayer starts with an open Bible. And so this form of prayer is really can be utilized when reading scripture. So you take a passage of scripture and, and really there, I mean, there's a book out there called Praying the Psalms. It is, it is by Daniel Henderson and, and various other authors that kind of go through the book of Psalms and follow this method of prayer in each Psalm. And the first volume is the first one through 41 Psalms. And so I just encourage you when, when, when looking at this prayer, and even if you just remember the four words, reverence, uh, response requests and readiness think of those the next time you read scripture and just reflect on that scripture and ask yourselves who is God in this passage how do I praise him because of of who he revealed himself to be in this passage and in response what are the ways that you can surrender to the Lord because of who he is and because of, of what's revealed to him in scripture and then request just ask the question because of what I read what should I pray about? What is coming to my mind? What is the Lord bringing to the uh, forefront of my mind when reading this passage? And then readiness. How is God preparing me to move forward? 
after reading the scripture? What must I do as I leave this place? What is he calling me to? And, and really, it really is just, I mean, it's an incredible form of prayer that I've really used in my life. I mean, it really is the forefront of my prayer life. And it is so powerful and it really changes your perspective and your heart when coming to prayer. And it really humbles you when, when thinking of prayer and coming to the Lord with that. So that's what I have on prayer. One real quick too, what I want to add is if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh no, like I don't do those four, like that's okay. Yeah. Like this is, this is about helping, helping you, helping us, just helping each other grow learn in prayer and what you're going to find is different people are better at each part like i may be very good at um, the reverence but i may not be good at the requests or the response right and so but this is all about creating those habits to help you grow in in these four parts of the prayer to help your prayer life become more full to help you know god better and figure out what he wants for you in your life So now, because we're going through the disciplines, we're working on the disciplines to help us grow with God. We actually brought in Jacob to help us, to lead us through the worship section. I'm totally just kidding. We told him to answer some questions. (laughs) (laughs) You're mean, Nick. You're mean. (laughs) Sorry, I just do some off-the-wall type things. So the question I, I wanted to open up worship with for you guys is, what what do we think when when we want to talk about worship here what are what are we talking about jeremy i'll start with you what are we talking about when we talk about worship yeah well i think a lot of times people can think of worship as a specific part in in a church service or a video on youtube or something of of singing and praising but i really think when i think of worship I think it's understanding how we submit ourselves to the Lord in, in every part of our lives. It's, mm-hmm. it's in, in fellowship with one another. It's in the, the different little chores that we do around the house. It's interacting with strangers and it's, it's serving our neighbors, all of these kind of things. We, we worship God with our life. We worship God with, with how we choose uh, to do certain things and, and really uh, answering the call that he's given us in terms of, of really glorifying him and honoring him in every part of our life. And that, and that I feel like that's where worship, we think of a worship service on Sunday mornings, but I, I think worshiping God is, is so much more, if not more important in the ways that we do it on the other days of the week and the way that we live our lives. So uh, that's just real quickly. I mean, what I first think of when I think of worship, how about you, Jacob? What do you think when we say, Jacob Hayward, what do you think of worship? It, you know, it is the absolute expression of our adoration of who God is and his revealed character. Um, and so when we are in worship, I mean, it does not exclude singing. It does not exclude uh, uh, praising his name through, you know, your traditional worship service. It's, it is inclusive of praying and even, you know, preaching from the pulpit or teaching. Um, and, but it's also inclusive of when you are expressing your reverence or your, your praise for, God and his character in everyday life, everything that you're experiencing. Yeah. And real, yeah. Sorry, real quick. No, go, no, all you. That really, it, it reminded me of, of an instance that we do every Sunday before church service. When we are, when we are praying, um, it, we, we, there's a few of us that pray on Sunday mornings before service and, I feel like one of the things that we always often do without even realizing it is acknowledging every part of the service, whether it's the preaching, the teaching, the worship, the announcements, the small groups, the youth time, the children's ministry, all the, the, the ushers, the greeters, everything about it. I feel like 
it just, I feel like it brought to my attention how that is all a part of worship and, and it's really every part that we do. And I think that's kind of cool because when we look at worship, it, it is even more than just, it, it's even to the, to the point of, of the people listening, the people in the pews listening to the message or the, you know, all of these things that we think of are, are worshiping God, even to the point of, of listening to the sermon and interacting with each other. So anyways, I just want to throw it out there because it was just something cool that I. And I think of when you, when even just in a, in a cultural term sense of worship, you hear, oh yeah, so-and-so worships this person. It's this continual adoration, right? Like if it's like, oh man, like I worship Jacob. I'm going to try to be like Jacob. Right. That's my role model. That's who I look up to. That's who I'm trying to learn from. That's who I'm trying to be like. I'm trying to imitate that. And that's how I praise Jacob by trying to be like him because I worship him in that sense. I'm not saying I do. I know I did call him a six foot two beautiful specimen. But that's just facts. Right. But when, but when I think of worship, too, it's it's just imitating and, and you imitate by a constant lifetime of trying to be like and learn from mm. i was trying to think of that worship and i know sometimes we think of songs so i actually had a i had a funny uh, I have a funny jacob story in worship it was um and i won't say names in case they somehow ever listen to this which i know they won't my least favorite class of all time in class was this theology of ministry and worship it was thursday 6 30 to 9 and for me, I don't focus for two and a half hours. So night class is already off the bat. But one thing we did was we broke down popular songs and why they were terrible. And the song he had picked for that week in the class was one of Jacob's all-time favorite worship songs. And um, the professor was talking about how it wasn't scripturally accurate. So Jacob went and found scripture that supported it. And then the teacher just dismissed it and moved on. <laughs> and I had never seen Jacob more upset in class in my life. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I'm ashamed because I'm not. So. Oh, that was not. No, no, no. It was not to shame. Yeah, worship. no. I think of, whenever I think of worship, if for some reason my mind goes back to that. And yeah, there's like some very strong opinions out there about um, worship and, and what ought to be considered worship or not. Um, and I just don't think we should be hung up on the word so much. Um, I think, I think it's a posture. It's not whether or not you have the uh, correct literature liturgy, you know, uh, it's, it's whether or not you're coming to God with the posture that, um, I'm, I'm proud to be serving this God. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I think Romans 12, one speaks to that, where it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And it doesn't say anything about. Make sure that you spin around three times and, you know, drink some holy water or whatever. You know, this is this mm -hmm. is very much about whether or not you are presenting your entirety of a being and placing it at the altar before God and just saying, you know, that you're you're worth serving. You're worth uh, following and and um, allowing you to do with my life as you will. Well, and for uh, me, too, like even before that class, like. I had never once thought of it, but it was about my heart. Like my heart was in the worship. But then after that class, like anytime, like I was worshiping or singing a song, all of a sudden that was back in my head. And all of a sudden I was picking apart songs that were meant to glorify God. And I'm trying to just nitpick them when I'm sure the, the heart behind the people writing the song and then those singing the songs were to glorify God. But we want to get stuck up on some like tenses of verbs and word choices. And it was just... Focus on the heart, man. Yeah, right, exactly. And and I think that I want to go back to, to the verse that Jacob pointed out because I just feel like that ought to be a challenge. 
to each and every one of us that this is this is our true improper worship to offer ourselves every part of ourselves our physical being our spiritual being our our emotions our mind all of it we offer as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to god and that this is our true and proper worship i mean that 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 takes effort that takes work and i think if we remember that that worship is work it's effort then i think that uh you know that 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 definitely challenges us and that should challenge us i want to i want to ask you guys now real quick like in a minute or two each of you how did you guys as you started following jesus more or even maybe a bit further in life how did you start growing in worship towards God? How did you start making it more of like a daily life practice? Because like I know for me, even in high school, worship was always like, oh, the songs we sing in a church. So how did it become more of a lifestyle for each of you? Dude, I, I, uh, I hated what my youth group told me worship was. So that was actually one of the reasons why I really struggled with Christianity in general. And there was like no real reason that I would be a pastor today if I viewed worship the way that I was taught, because I hate, I'm not a good singer. I, I don't play an instrument. And they told me when I get to heaven, I get my wings and I'd be singing the praises to God all day. And I'm like, dude, I'm not fit to be in the choir, you know? And I just, I really dreaded that. And thankfully I've developed my theology enough to where that's not, we are singing praises to God, but it doesn't have to be in a certain octave, right? Like we are, we are singing praises to God with our entire beings, not just with our voices. Um, and so every pore of ours is, is uh, connecting to God. And um, Jeremy said work. And I, I just want to pull this out. I know I'm throwing a lot of Bible verses around, but in, uh, Genesis 2.15, we get the idea of what God challenged man to be. It says the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That same word for work there is the work that the Levitical priests would do. So they're in the order of keeping about proper worship to God. And so what man was doing in his work, whether he was uh, tending a garden and he was cultivating new fruits to be born or, um, you know, he's working about the house that he's built and he's putting in new windows or whatever it is that his job might be. That was the same duty as the Levitical priest, which is to bring everything under God, that it all might be reconciled to him. It all might be worthy of the kingdom of God and that it all might uh, be part of that new kingdom. Uh, that's going to be part of the, the heaven and earth coming together. Well, how do I follow that up? <laughs> you don't. You don't. You just say retweet and accept it. And... <laughs> yeah. Well, but really, I think for me, I don't know. It was just, I think this idea of practicing presence and understanding That God is is with me, that his presence goes before me, that the spirit of God actually dwells within me, is a part of my life. And because of that, that should cause a response in me. That should cause me to move forward in the name of Jesus. That my focus is to do the work that, that God has, has put in front of me for the glory of God, and that every moment that I have has to be in the present moment, has to be the moment that God has given me in that moment, because I'm, I'm saying moments so much right now, but the present moment is the only moment we have in our lives. We can't dwell on the past. We can't focus on the future for the most part, but our focus has to be and the time God has given us to live. And so even in this very moment right now, as we are discussing this, and even in the very moment that you are listening to this as listeners, we are worshiping God. Because when we practice presence, 
we become in tune with the spirit that lives within us, the spirit that is all around us. And through that, we learn our true and proper worship. Yeah, for me, it was. Oh, were you going to say something, Jacob? I was just going to say it's a reference back to that daily bread, right? Giving thanks to God, praising Mm -hmm. his name for giving us that daily bread with the washing of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the, the transition of worship in my life was, it's definitely a lengthy process and it's not a process I think that ever stops, yeah. right? It's not something like we just woke up one day and all of a sudden we worshiped God and everything we did, we had this complete understanding, but it was a lot of learning about God. As you continue to see God in new ways, you start to be like, yeah, this is real. I can't deny it. Like I'm going to praise him for it. And I think the biggest part for me about understanding worship being everything was friends I was surrounded with in college, really kind of helping sort of walk and support and run with me in those areas. And so that leads me to my next question um, for you two hooligans, Ah, you two cool cats and kittens (laughs) is what's the importance of prayer and worship corporately and individually so corporately together like in a church type setting or a gathering and then also individually for the prayer and worship uh well i guess i'll say as an individual i think it's so important to this is this is how we pursue a relationship with god and i think especially with these two things it is so important to have that individual relationship with them and, and to pursue this relationship through prayer, because that is how, because really these two things is, is really us understanding who God is and learning and desiring more and more of him. And when we do this, we understand that he's revealed himself to us and he will continue to reveal himself to us through his word, through prayer, through worship. And so as an individual, it is so important to make this an essential part of our walk. Then as as corporately, we are the body of believers. We are the church. God does not place us on this earth to be alone. But when we pray together, when we worship together, we, we not only grow in Christ, but we grow with each other. And while we do that, we are also, it is also helping us to grow in God as we learn more about each other, as we fellowship, we pray and worship together. I don't know. That's what I got. I think that's really good, Jeremy. And uh, I don't know how much I can really add on top of it. Um, I, ju- I know individually uh, you're, you're going to be an individual most of your life. Um, and so you if that's a majority of your time, then that means a majority of your time in which you're constantly in prayer and constantly in worship is an individual effort, right? Um, and so you need to grow comfortable with having a prayer closet or uh, worshiping even on your hectic drive to work or, you know, dropping the kids off at school or whatever it is that you do, you know, uh, individually, you need to be in a place in which you're connected with God. And then corporately, um, that's where we get to sharpen one another, right? Uh, It's super important because sometimes as an individual, you can read stuff and you can get the wrong ideas, right? Or you can hear, you know, Pastor Jacob said on the podcast, if I pray for money, it'll fall from heaven. You know, it's, that's not, that's not right, you know, and that's why you need the body of believers to come in and, uh, you know, make us smooth, you know, make us clean and, uh, get rid of those some of those rough edges of our ideas and ideologies. I'm going to say something that might be a little out there. So I want I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think we've started as Christians to have this flip that's not good. I think we tend to take corporate and think it's going to be enough for our individual life, where we go corporate thinking that's going to help our individual when in reality, we need to start an individual to have it help our corporate. Like when we're reading and diving into God throughout the week, watch how much that changes your interest and what you get out of church. 
as opposed to just showing up to church and thinking that's going to be enough to help grow your individual walk without doing anything. I think, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. I also think it's a balance though, because I think you could go too far the other side in terms where you think individual is all you need, but that corporate, that idea of church is something that you don't need. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I've heard people say that in terms yeah. of like, oh, I don't need the church. You know, I'll read my yeah. Bible and I'll pray. Church, but, is just, I mean, church is just a building. Yeah, exactly. I'm the but, church. But, and that's what it is. It's so important because it, it is also important to understand that you can't just do this on your own. Or, and you can't just do this with you and your relationship with God. That is why God's provided the church. And as messy and as broken and as hypocritical as the church is, it is still the family of God. And we are still part of it. And we take each other, good, bad, and ugly. And that's what we're called to as, as believers and as the family of God. So I think, I think you're so right, Nick. I just think there's also a balance where it's like you could go too far the other side of like, I mean, and this is, I don't know, a challenge if people are watching church online still. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're not getting that that fellowship in with other believers on a weekly basis, that can be a dangerous thing because it, it really can separate you from the church. And, and that is not what that is not what God wants from us. He wants us to collectively as a whole be together. But it also on the flip side, it is so important to have that individual faith because that's where our foundation is really laid is our personal walk with Christ. hundred percent. So the last question I have for you guys is, and then you can add any wrapping up thoughts is, so we, we put prayer and worship out there. How do we get better at these in our own individual life? How do we grow in these areas? Well, when we think of habits, I'm actually doing this coaching with Dave Mercadante, our leadership development director. Dave Mercadante. Uh, but he, when, when talking about habits, I'm not good at habits. I'm not a naturally habitual person, I guess, in disciplining myself in good and positive ways. And so one of the things that he is, is pushing me to do is start small, to have these small goals that are achievable. And these aren't necessarily, when we think of prayer and worship, I don't want to there's so much greater than just goals to achieve, right? Cause this is a lifestyle, but if you don't have a strong prayer life, you can't expect to start re- or start praying an hour and two before you start your work day or something like that. And so I think to best kind of pursue these spiritual disciplines is to start small with them. And, and in, in a practical sense of even just, man, what does it look like to start your, pr- and I'm t- teaching my youth this too. Just what does it look like to start your, your day, five minutes, maybe not even five minutes, maybe a minute of just acknowledging who God is in your life, thanking him for, for what he can do or, and, and for who he is in your life and really making an effort to start that time off of your day, pursuing the Lord in prayer. So I just think, you know, it's just starting small with these things and, and acknowledging God and acknowledging how important these, these practices are. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jeremy, and I know that it, it sucks to hear this sometimes, but, like, you just have to reprioritize, you know, like, is there really something more important than your time with God? And I think on Sunday, when you're around a bunch of other Christians, you would say, no, of course not. But then your actions throughout the rest of the week show that breakfast is more important than God, your family is more important than God, your work is more important than God, the texts on your phone are more important than God, your email, I could just keep going on, right? Like, we put so many other things before it. And like, I agree with you, Jeremy, start start small, but like, some of you guys just need inspired, or corrected, or, uh, you know, coerced, or something, you know, somebody put you in a headlock and just make you pray. Because like, you just you need this new Holy Spirit fire to come on you and just say, there is nothing more important to me that could happen the rest of this day than checking in and being with, you know, this God who's the God of the universe, you know, who I want, who I'm also hoping is going to provide me with a blessed day, 
and and yet you're hoping he's going to provide you with a blessed day, but you don't even take the time to ask him for, you know, like, or thank him for it or anything. Right. Like it, you just need, we need a correction here. You know, we need to, we need to be brought back to God. Um, and, and recognize that this prayer and worship, it, it needs to realign every part of our life, uh, to be God first, uh, God honoring. We need to stop waiting for God to show himself to us and go find him. Because mm. he's going to make himself known to us. Dude, it's like, it's like most, of these, most of these people who are waiting to see God, it's like they pulled a blanket over their eyes. God's all around you, man. Like God's moving. God's, mm-hmm. God is doing something. He said he is currently at work redeeming all things unto himself. He's currently doing that. And so if you don't see it, talk to Nick, you know, talk to Jeremy, you know, get connected and, and you'll begin to see it because God is rocking right now. Uh, he's doing some amazing things. Even though you look and you see all these uh, terrible things in the news and whether you're listening to it in 2022 or you hear this in 2025, like I bet you, you can hear the same story that there's still rough things in the news. Uh, God has been moving this entire time. Uh, and he, he's going to do a great work in your midst. Just take the sheet off your eyes. Amen. Yeah, I think we can just go ahead and end it on that. I agree. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome getting to speak to you. Jeremy and I already made the decision last week that you're going to be like, not just like some like random special guest, but like you'll be a regular guest. So you'll, you'll be back on. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening. Another Friends Friday. We look forward to you hanging out with us this week and see you again next week.